This is the Faculty Focus Live podcast, and I'm your host, Tierney King. I'm here to bring you inspiration, energy, and creative strategies that you can utilize in your everyday teaching. This week's episode is sponsored by The Wellbeing Elixir, Magna's brand new wellness course for educators, where experts will help guide you through well-being and resilience. Today, we're going to be talking to Tanya Busico, who's a writer and assistant professor at Virginia Commonwealth University. Her areas of interest are writing and community studies, hip-hop, and the Black church. And you're also interested in the topic of mindfulness and wellness, which you bring into all of these other passions and hobbies, and we're going to hone in on that today. So kind of take us through how you became interested in, you know, this topic of mindfulness and well-being and mental health. Sure, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for this opportunity. As I was saying before we started recording, I could talk about this all day, every day. (laughs) It is definitely um, a major part of my life. So I would say I actually got started probably pretty young as a child through journaling. I wanted to be a writer as a child, and I was very vocal with my feelings. I'm a millennial and some people describe millennial as the feelings generation. And so we are the generation where parents would ask, how are you feeling? How do you feel? What do you think? I'm definitely (laughs) a part of that generation. And so for me, the concept of mental health and wellness was something that was a part of my life. If I had a bad day, I was able to share as well as journaling and really getting lost in creating stories. And so as I got older, I would say I really entered more meditation mindfulness as an undergrad student. I went to a small liberal arts university in Williamsburg, Virginia, the College of William and Mary, and it was pretty tough. It is a pretty tough university for um, for many people. And there I actually developed anxiety. And so because of my anxiety, one of my roommates at the time, shout out to Roberta, um, she actually suggested that we start going to yoga. And so as an undergrad student, I started going to our local fitness center to do yoga. That is also where I began to think about the concept of mindfulness. I do want to say, too, just backing up a little bit, I also, um, the Black church is one of my areas of interest. And so growing up in the church, we did a lot of we didn't, I didn't have the language for it then, but a lot of contemplative prayer. So a lot of moments of meditation and silence and um, listening to music. And so that was a part of my experience, even as a child. But again, going back to undergrad, being able to do yoga and being able to move my body, being able to set aside any concerns I had about school was life-changing. So also when I was an undergrad student, I began to go to therapy well, counseling services. And that really helped me to manage my anxiety, to begin to get the techniques that would be helpful so that I could complete my classwork. And as a professor, I share this with my students to remove the stigma so that we are able to have these very open dialogues about what does it mean to go to counseling and how there is no shame. Of course, we don't do therapy. That is a huge disclaimer in my class. Like, this is not group therapy, but really thinking about and sharing different methods that help with mental health, which I will share a little bit later. I will also say that currently 
Um, because I, again, I'm around a village of people who care about wellness. One of my colleagues and great friends in my department, she introduced me to the concept of thinking about yoga teacher training. And I'm actually currently in a program right now um, that's virtual in Richmond that is helping me think about yoga teacher training, of course, but also what are the ways that I can bring that into the classroom, which I'm very excited to be able to do so. And I talk about this in one of our, our past episodes, you know, this, this idea that yoga is for everyone and kind of take me through, you know, your thoughts of that, because I said it last time too, is that it's, it's intimidating, you know, so for everyone to even just get started. So take me kind of through, through that journey of, of yoga for you. Absolutely. First of all, I will say I am not flexible. I'm not flexible at all. (laughs) But the beauty about yoga is it is a practice. And so it is a practice of loving your body the way it is, how it is, being able to accept perhaps you can't move in a certain way as other people. But yoga is very much an individual journey for each person. And so it begins to help you to connect your body to really be embodied. Because a lot of times what happens with those of us who have had or have anxiety is that we dissociate. And so we're out of our body. And so yoga is a great way to ground ourselves in the moment, in the space, to be able to really, I would say it gives you clarity. And it's also fun. It's also fun trying to try new things and see like, how is my downward dog or (laughs) how is my son's salutation? Um, Especially pre-COVID when the classes could be a lot larger, there are always other people who don't know the poses either. (laughs) And so you all can chuckle at each other. Um, but also celebrate each other as you're able to, I won't say master, but as you're able to move through the different movements. And you kind of talked about, you know, how you're getting this training and you're excited to kind of integrate little pieces of this into the classroom, kind of, you know, just explain what you do to integrate different wellness techniques into your own class for your students. Absolutely. So my students already know, particularly pre-COVID, and I say that a lot because right now I'm teaching asynchronous online, but I'm actually planning to go back into the classroom face-to-face soon. Um, But I will say that mindfulness and wellness is talked about from the first day. From the beginning, we talk about mindfulness. And a way that I introduce that to my students is through short YouTube videos. One video that I love is called Why Mindfulness is a Superpower in Animation. And it's on um, the YouTube channel Happify. And what's great about that is it's an animation, a cartoon, and it gives you a very broad stroke overview of the benefits of mindfulness so that students will already know, number one, we're doing this in the class. You can participate or not. But also it gives students a chance to see this as a benefit from the beginning. And so we do that in the very beginning. And then I slowly introduce mindfulness prompts. So we'll do things that are two to three minutes at first. And I always do mindfulness with students. And even the way that I position myself in the classroom. So if we're all there in the classroom, generally the lights are down. Students are, I always tell them, get comfortable, take your jackets off, all of that. And I always face them on the side 
not head on so that they're able to see me as I'm deep breathing and going through that as well. Um, because I let them know it's just as important to me as it is to you so that I can be fully present so that you can be fully present. Um, so we do that. And then we transition to longer prompts where we will do up to five. Sometimes if they're really into it, we'll, we'll do 10 minutes, which is really exciting. And we do different things. We do um, deep breathing exercises. We may do body scans, which talks about like, pay attention to your breath, pay attention to your feet, pay attention to different parts of your body. We also may do some um, mindfulness prompts that have us in different sceneries, which students really love. And that has worked really well. And I will say that when I first started, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, um, I actually started mindfulness the first day I started teaching full-time. So my entire career as an assistant professor has always wedded mindfulness from the very beginning. And I'm very appreciative that students were open to it. I've never really had a lot of students who didn't participate. And even if they did, I couldn't tell because my eyes were closed as well. But I will say the greatest benefit of starting mindfulness together was it helped us build community to be able to breathe together, to be able to um, really be conscious of being fully present. That helped a lot. And I will say another technique that I found very exciting, um, and it was actually a fluke because one day we didn't have time for a full mindfulness prompt. We had a lot to do. And so I said, okay, well, I'll just lead the exercise and where I counted to five um, with other little things kind of peppered into it, like, you know, saying things such as we're present in this moment, we're leaving whatever's going on outside the classroom, outside the classroom, we're going to be here to be in community to learn together. And that worked really well. As a matter of fact, I had a student maybe two years ago, um, when we were leaving class one day, he shared that he gave this information to his roommate. He said, um, Professor B, one of my roommates is having a hard time sleeping. And I just shared the mindfulness prompts that we use. And that made me feel so great that students were sharing the mindfulness movement, if you will, to their friends, as well as using it for themselves. I think, you know, that's so cool is that even just these five to 10 minutes, you know, it doesn't have to take over your entire class. It just little things that you pepper in and then they take that back to what they use in their daily life. And a lot of college students don't know these techniques. Right. So it's what you introduce in your class that they're taking back and that they could use for the rest of their lives. And that's pretty awesome. And then what else do you think, you know, students can gain from, from these techniques, just from all instructors peppering in these little techniques? I'll say this, the benefit for doing that once I became conscious was I was able to then transition to my own voice during the toughest times of the semester. And so we're thinking about midterm times and we're thinking about, um, because I'm very interested in what my students have going on. So we would know, oh my gosh, everyone has a big bio test or a big psych test. And so being conscious of that, to do that in that moment, to be able to support them they gain, number one, a sense of security in the classroom, a sense of trust. They also gain um, a sense of confidence because 
so often students are moving so fast. They have something to do. Every, you know, everything is due all at once, or it feels like that. And so mindfulness gives students a chance to just breathe in this moment, to be human in this moment, to take care of themselves in this moment. And the thing that I found with students too is some things come up. Like sometimes students have cried in the space. Sometimes just just out of pure frustration. Students have just shared some things. We've also done mindfulness, like with journaling after mindfulness, we we do that as part of, I teach a writing class and well, we teach other things, but we do a lot of writing in the class. And that's a great way for ideas to come about as our minds are at ease. I will also say that mindfulness helps students give themselves grace to say, I can't do it all right now. And so I can only do what I can do, what's in front of me right now with my capacity. And so those are some amazing things. The other benefit, even outside of the classroom, when we're thinking about wellness, mental health and and well-being, we also think about um, other people. And so one assignment that I thought about maybe like two years ago, but it was called the empathy experiment. And this is where... um, Because I was noticing in class discussion that sometimes students would talk over each other. And I was like, okay, we can't really do this. Let's let's figure out how to do that in such a a constructive way. And so the project was I asked students to to think about the impact of the pandemic on someone outside of themselves. And it could be their professor. It could be a custodian. It could be someone that's in food service. And I was very particular about those different roles. It could be a family member, but to really put themselves in someone else's shoes and realize when we're thinking about wellness, yes, it is so important to think about ourselves. It is so important to be embodied in our experiences, but also realizing we don't live in this world by ourselves. And that other people are also going through things as well. And so the same grace that you extend for yourself, you also want to do that for other people. And so that that went pretty well. I had a few students respond to that. Um, Another thing that we did probably about, yeah, before the pandemic, about three years ago, I called it the Post-it Project. And the last day of class, we all wrote really encouraging messages on post-it notes. And the prompt was, think about what you would want to hear in this moment. Think about how everyone is stressed. And so all the students got a post-it note, wrote it, and I said, put it wherever you think someone needs it. You don't have to, and it was the last day of class. They didn't get credit for it. They, I didn't know where it was, but to then hear later where they put it on, you know, their roommate's door, or they put it in the bathroom of their shared suite with their home, with their um, roommates. That was just so powerful because at that point, and in therapy, we use this word called resourced. And at that point, students were resourced to then be able to have the capacity to then pass on kind words to other people. And that was just, oh, I can't wait to get back in the classroom to do that because that is so fun. That's so, you know, humbling. And it's, I feel like that's just something that everyone can use right now, especially during the pandemic. And everyone just needs, you know, is 
you just like look up and you're walking down the hall and you see a few words of encouragement. And that's just what you need during that time sometimes. So that's a really awesome, awesome project. Thank you. Um, And then you're also, or you were also part of a pilot program at VCU called Kobe. And so that promotes wellness through meditation and other techniques. And so kind of take us through what that program entailed and then how it kind of impacted, you know, yourself and instructors and your campus as a whole. Absolutely. So Kobe is an acronym for College Behavioral and Emotional Health Institute. And I found out about this very early on when I became an assistant professor. There was a call for a pilot program for mindfulness for my department, Focus Inquiry. And something in me just said, this this is you. This is a part of who you are and your students deserve this. And so it was so great to be a part of that pilot program and how it ran. And it was for, I believe, a semester, but it could have been a year. And we received training about mindfulness. And so we received, uh, well, we as faculty received PowerPoint information, but also resources for ourselves, the benefit of mindfulness. We also learned about the scientific benefits, just in case students may be interested in that. And a lot of the scholarship that supported mindfulness. I mean, I can't call it out by name right now, but at the time we were well versed in that because part of what we were thinking about or even anticipating was what happens if you get pushback. And so being able to present this as a benefit to students really helped. Um, And so we had the training sessions, but then we also had feedback sessions with our facilitators, but also as colleagues. We were able to talk about how were students receiving this mindfulness experience. Um, And this was great, too, because I was able to connect with colleagues who had been at the university longer who were already doing mindfulness And we were able to also share different prompts and techniques that we were able to give out to our students. And that experience with Kobe was so powerful for me as an educator, because this was the first time I'd seen in higher ed, to my knowledge, where well-being was put at the forefront for students as well as faculty. That's one thing I really appreciated and and lean into even now in the pandemic. What does it mean to, yes, you want to be rigorous. Yes, we have this curriculum that we want to complete, but how do we balance that with so much going on for students so that they're able to have some reprieve in these moments? And so Kobe really helped us do that. Um, The other thing I do want to add, going back to the previous question on what I do now, asynchronous, is every week I send out mindfulness prompts to students. And so at first I had a student, they asked me, they said, uh, Professor B, what does mindfulness have to do with what we're learning? I thought this was a writing class. And having this great conversation with the student to talk about the importance of your well-being, even if we never meet together, that doesn't mean I don't care about your well-being as a human being, even in this asynchronous environment. Um, But I'll say I credit Kobe to that. I thought to do it, but I was introduced to it from Kobe. And so I'm grateful for that experience. And I think that's really great is, you know, sometimes it's a little hard to start implementing it in your class. And so just to have something that kind of pushes and motivates you to try this and, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, you don't have to keep doing it, but to 
be able to experience it and be like, yeah, this worked out wonderful. I learned so much and my students learned so much is a really cool, you know, concept and program that a lot of campuses could probably benefit from. Yes, absolutely. I agree. And then lastly, this is really exciting because you started an educational YouTube channel that actually launches this month. You know, take us through the concepts that you'll cover in this YouTube channel and why you decided it was important to start it. First of all, thank you so much for, this is the first time publicly I am sharing this outside of the people that I know. So for me, I still credit my students. I wasn't even into YouTube until I started teaching in higher ed. And before I was an assistant professor, I was a graduate teaching assistant in my department. And so when I would ask students about their hobbies, they would tell me about YouTube. And I was like, this, I mean, YouTube is for videos, like music videos. And then students introduced me to vlogs and that changed my whole world. And so the channel really came out of teaching online. So when you teach online, you often create many videos for students to get to know you, um, to explain work, and sometimes to give them pep talks. And what I realized was sometimes students don't look at the videos, but also I realized other students could benefit from tips. Other students can benefit from these, if you will, fireside chats. And so that's where the channel was birthed. It's called the Boosie Teaches YouTube channel. And Boosie is a play on my last name, Boosie Co. That's my nickname that um, a lot of my friends call me. The channel is like a three component channel. So there's a focus for students where I share all the tips, tricks, and advice I've learned. And this is nothing new that I haven't shared with students face-to-face, but I realized that online students could benefit from it, even if they don't necessarily see the video in that moment, because it will now live on YouTube it won't just live on our course platform. They will be able to have that. And we, and well, we, I <laughs> talk about different things from how to navigate your courses to um, how to make friends. That was one of the number one things that I find that a lot of students struggle with right now in the pandemic. And even before that is how do you make friends? Where's the space to be able to talk about that? So I talk about those things. I also talk about just um, navigating your course in terms of when to ask for help, what resources are important. So that's very exciting. Um, And then I have the educators piece where I share all the things, well, most of the things that I do in the classroom. And so thinking about where I've done screenshots of how I create different lessons, I'm very much into technology and all of um, all the bells and whistles of apps. If there's a new app, I like to try it. And students know like, hey, we're trying this. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but we're going to try it. And so sharing that with educators, also thinking about work-life balance, talking about mental health, um, sharing things that worked and things that didn't work. So being very transparent in the last part of the YouTube series, which it's been about over a year getting it ready, just because I feel like students and fellow educators deserve the best. And I didn't know how to do any of this before. So I've been taking film classes and podcast classes and like all these things so that it could be right, not perfect, but right um, in my eyes. And for the last year, I've actually had the opportunity to interview over 20 of my mentors. And we talk about their journey as educators, their journeys as students and life. 
and what does mentorship mean? And I will say out of everything that I've done for that, for the YouTube channel, the podcast is what I am most proud of. My mentors are people who are presidents of colleges, who have like these big, amazing jobs, who not only took the time to be able to have conversations for my students, and that was the impetus. This initial conversation, these are for my students. And just the way that they encourage students, it's just so beautiful. Um, And I'm so excited to share. And I was particular about February because identity matters. And so I wanted to launch it Black History Month in February, but I also wanted it to be a space for students at whatever leg of the journey they're in. Because some students will watch this channel who maybe are in high school or maybe have fallen away from college. And so it's just that space to say, you're welcome here. So I have a trailer out and it's very much fireside chat where I'm like leaning in and just inviting students into this very safe space, well, safe enough space to be able to think about what does it mean to be a learner in this time. Whether you're driving to work or you just need a 15 minute think session, we hope the Faculty Focus Live podcast will inspire your teaching and offer ideas that you can integrate into your own course. For more information on the resources included in this episode, please check out the links provided in the episode description.